This is the 10,000 Depositions Later podcast, episode 102. I'm Jim Garrity. Today's episode, Lessons from the Front Lines. When suspending or terminating a deposition in progress due to misconduct, don't forget to say this. Hey everybody, I hope you're having a great week and your depositions are going spectacularly as always. This is a Lessons from the Front Lines episode. These episodes shine a spotlight on a brand new court ruling from a court somewhere around the country and typically in a case that is still pending in the court system where the ruling touches on deposition related issues. The case in the spotlight today, Daniels versus Dixon, is in fact still pending in federal court in California. And so that means that the ruling may yet be appealed, withdrawn, modified, or challenged or amended in some way. But we get these out to you quickly so that you can see what kinds of things the courts are addressing right now. In the Daniels case, the deponent, who happened to be one of the defendants in the case, left his deposition after just 50 minutes, allegedly because the plaintiff was verbally abusive in her conduct toward him in the deposition. But because he left without following the procedure set out in the rule, the court ordered him to pay about $2,000 in expenses associated with the terminated deposition and to come back for a second deposition within 10 days. So today I'm going to tell you the procedurally correct way to terminate or suspend a deposition in progress on grounds of misconduct to avoid this kind of problem. All right. Well, depositions, of course, are an adversarial sport, a combat sport, and there are going to be occasions where you're going to have to terminate or suspend them during the deposition itself on the ground that it's being conducted in bad faith or in a manner that unreasonably annoys, embarrasses, or oppresses the deponent or a party. That's actually the language of Federal Rule of Civil Procedure 30D3A and the language of the supermajority of state court rules that have adopted the federal rules in whole or in part. And it's critical that you know how to properly terminate or suspend a deposition in progress because as the Daniels Court made clear in its opinion on the issue, Federal Rule of Civil Procedure 30D is the only authority that allows interruption of a deposition in progress. So when you're in a deposition, that you believe must now be suspended or stopped because of misconduct, remember this, there is a technically correct way to verbalize what you're doing and you've got to do it on the record. And so the way you do it is this, by announcing on the record during the deposition that you are moving to terminate or limit the deposition or suspend it on one or more of the permissible grounds for the purpose of filing a motion with the court. And it can be something as simple as, look, I'm going to terminate or suspend this deposition on the ground that it's being conducted in bad faith or on the ground that you're embarrassing or oppressing the deponent and we're going to uh, suspend the deposition in order to seek an order from the court. Something like that. That's what brings you within the scope of the rule. We can't just tell an opposing lawyer that if they ask just one more question about X, Y, or Z, we're leaving and then just say that's it and walk out the door, or we're done and we're not coming back. The rule is very clear on this. We've got to articulate the reason for stopping or suspending the deposition, and we've got to do it during the deposition itself. 
That's how the only rule of procedure that deals with halting a deposition in progress begins. With the language, quote, at any time during a deposition. During. So the entirety of this subsection relating to our ability to properly terminate or suspend a deposition in progress hinges on us verbally moving to terminate or suspend during the deposition. We don't have the protection of the rule if we simply walk out without articulating that basis in the ground and our intention. The judge, if we don't do that, has the ability to deny our subsequent motion to compel or for a protective order, depending on its face because we didn't move during the deposition. If we didn't do it during, then we aren't within the scope of the rule. And even when we do verbally move to terminate, limit, suspend, we must then file an appropriate motion with the court to obtain a ruling. Again, the Daniels Court, that's the focus of today's episode, says, quote, a party may not terminate a deposition unilaterally, but must make a motion to the court, end quote. And in Daniels, it was because the defendant, Mr. Dixon, didn't move for early termination that he got hit with costs and an order to go back for a continuation of the deposition. In a similar case in the show notes, the Coulter case, C-O-U-L-T-E-R, it was the plaintiff there who walked out after warning defense counsel that if he asked one more question that she perceived to be harassing, she was leaving. So what happens? Immediately after that comment, the defense asked the following question, quote, and you lost custody of your child pursuant to those, close quote, answer. And that's the last question. True to her word, Ms. Coulter immediately left the deposition. But because she did not suspend or terminate the deposition, during the deposition to file an appropriate motion with the court, the court granted a subsequent defense motion for sanctions. And that similarly included the cost to hire the court reporter for the day of the deposition, what it cost, the cost of supplying a partial deposition transcript to the court for the subsequent motion activity, and reasonable fees and costs associated with the preparation of the motion for sanctions. So the downside that comes with not following that rules procedure to the letter is that you get hit. So if you're the noticing party conducting the examination and you terminate the deposition without following this procedure, you might get hit with fees and costs and just as bad, you might have forfeited your right to bring the deponent back and finish the deposition. You might even be barred based on an argument that because you noticed the deposition, and because you're the one who decided it had come to an end, that going back again would be an impermissible second deposition under the federal rules. Maybe the judge would leave you or I with whatever testimony we got at the time we pulled the plug without following the procedure. And that's a tough one to explain to clients if the witness was particularly critical. If you're the defending party and you leave a deposition in progress without following the procedure, then you and your client may get hit with fees and costs, and your client or your witness may be ordered to sit for another deposition that the court might have refused to order if you had simply complied. The rationale for sanctions against parties or deponents who leave depositions without following the procedure, and then of course without following up with an actual motion, is really that the act of terminating a deposition 
isn't a self-help remedy. We can't just end them on our own. We, we can in the moment, of course, but only if we announce during the deposition that we're going to involve the court through a promptly filed motion. And that's exactly uh, what the court said in the Omeprazole case uh, in the notes. Lawyers can't rule on their own objections, and that's effectively what we're doing if we halt a deposition in progress and do nothing further. Now, will a judge always hold you to this technical requirement? Let's suppose that things get heated, you terminate the deposition, and you walk out without following the procedure. Well, the cases tell us that judges are pretty consistent in sanctioning lawyers, parties, or deponents who terminate depositions without swiftly involving the court, as the rule requires, to weigh in on the propriety of their conduct. And that makes sense. Virtually all depositions take place outside the presence of a judge or magistrate. So the process depends heavily on the cooperation and compliance of the participants to work at all. When it doesn't work, when a lawyer, a party, or a deponent terminates a deposition, the mechanism imposed by the rule requires them to come forward and justify their actions to the court. So, whether you are the noticing lawyer or the defending lawyer, if you determine that the misconduct by the deponent, a party, or a lawyer has reached the point where you are justified terminating or suspending the deposition to seek court relief, make that announcement on the record and promptly file a motion for the relief that you seek. Now, if it's your opponent who made the decision to terminate, take a look at the cases in the show notes and evaluate whether your opponent correctly used the procedure outlined by rule and promptly uh, filed a motion for appropriate court relief. If they didn't have one of the legitimate grounds outlined in the rule for terminating, or if they didn't follow the procedure, you've probably got some strong arguments for the imposition of sanctions. All right. Footnote. Uh, some lawyers have asked, well, once I terminate or suspend a deposition in progress, exactly how much time do I have to file that appropriate motion? Well, the rule doesn't say, but I would treat the rule as if it did say promptly or swiftly. Don't let grass grow under your feet because it opens the door to an argument that you actually didn't comply with the rule because of the delay. How many days do I think you have? Uh, it doesn't have to be the same day, but I recommend within a few days, get your motion filed. If you get much beyond four, five, six, seven days to use an outside time frame, you might just run into a problem. All right? Okay, that's it for today. It's a pretty easy problem to avoid, but it still comes up with disappointing frequency in reported cases where one or another lawyer has terminated a deposition in progress. They either didn't make the proper announcement or didn't follow up with a motion. And the predictable result in those situations is sanctions against the lawyer and or the party that terminated or suspended without following the procedure. As always, thank you so much for listening. The production crew greatly appreciates your tremendous ratings. You're a phenomenal audience, and we'll talk to you again next time.